Welcome friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be listening today to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and here we get to talk to folks who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And the more, the merrier. <laughs> we need a lot of building a more humane world these days. Probably have for centuries and centuries. Um, my guests today are local right here, Columbia, Missouri. Lauren Williams and Seth Smith from our local library, Daniel Boone Regional Library. Woo-woo. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yes, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. We had just a little... Uh, difficulty getting our scheduling, but hey, this is a perfect time. No worries, no worries. That's right, that's right. A couple of things. We are just ending our uh, daily reading of uh, the book Nomad Land, uh, and that's your one read, Lauren, right? Yes. That, uh, has yes. been this year's. And last night the author was in town. She Can was. You- Bring us up to speed on what's going on with all of this. Sure, yeah. So this year's uh, One Read Selection, like you said, is Nomadland, uh, Surviving America in the 21st Century. And I always like to point out it's Surviving America, not Surviving in America, but Surviving America. Ah. I think it's an important distinction. Um, yes, Jessica Bruder was here last night uh, as kind of a capstone event um, for the One Read program. We've had book discussions and films and an art exhibit and a writing contest going on um, around the themes and topics of this really timely book, um, taking a look at mostly older Americans who are living in vehicles, vans, trucks, and working kind of contract work, temporary work, national parks, working the beet harvest, working at uh, amusement parks, working for corporations like Amazon, and trying to make ends meet and having cut out what for all of us really is one of our biggest expenses, which is a rent payment or a mortgage payment. Mm. And uh, for most of them, um, and as listeners have been listening to the audiobook that's been broadcast on KOPN, for most of them, it wasn't necessarily a choice that it was a, or a hard choice to make, forced by circumstances, whether it was from the recession, divorce, getting upside down on a mortgage, uh, that that they are making the best of that choice and choosing mm-hmm. what kind of life they're gonna lead on the road. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, <laughs> it was the migrant workers mm-hmm. that were coming in. They got their uh, temporary green card or however they worked. They went to shanties and did hard labor and then moved on, had no way of being protected, really, mm-hmm. uh, just a, a way of making somewhat of a living. Uh, it's all changed, or much of it has changed, and, and this whole new population is you say maybe to do with the recession some or other things but also changes in our country yeah i think a lot of it had to do with the recession actually and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the points she really she really hits home one of the movies we we showed in tandem with our one read events was was the big short mm-hmm. at um mm-hmm. ragtag and that was last week and i i think it's it tied in really well to the the programming for this book just because it showed sort of the malfeasance and greed of Wall Street that that precipitated this this horrible economic global economic crisis mm-hmm. that caused a lot of people to um, lose their homes uh, lose their 401ks lose a lot of um, 
it, it definitely shoved the middle class down even further than it than it than it was mm-hmm. and at that point and it's been going down for decades yes right right really since the 1970s right absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and flat uh, wages and so on and yeah 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 and increasing costs of healthcare and education and housing and school yeah and right. and salaries and or uh, wages not keeping pace with that. So I think um, in the book, uh, she says something about there being you know 12 or 13 communities nationwide where a person could, on minimum wage, afford a one-bedroom apartment. And then last night she said, and actually since I wrote this book two years ago, that's changed. I think that, I think it's now down zero, zero places you can afford to live working 40 hours a week minimum wage and have a uh, one-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. and have your rent be the percentage that it's supposed to be for you to be able to live. All right. Um, and so this book has been out two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did uh, the author uh, expose her age? She did say she was born in the late 70s. She did. 1978, yeah. I yeah. believe. Yeah. Okay, so she's not my age. I'm in my 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not born in the 70s. Uh, and yet she's writing about many people that are my age. Right. Uh, so... How did she go about getting her information? She um, she actually, this is a work of immersive journalism, so over three years, she she first in a tent, she joined these folks at, they have something called a rubber tramp rendezvous where they, um, they built a community, um, both using online tools, but they, they're in, out in Arizona, they meet once a year at this event where it's kind of an information sharing and a, a community building event. You know, where are you working? Um, how do you put solar panels on your car? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was there as a journalist to try to get a story that was going to be a magazine piece. And then once she was there, you know, last night she said she sort of realized it was much much bigger than that. And so she ended up buying a van uh, that she called Halen. So Van Halen, they, and she put over 15,000 miles on it over three years. And she would, you know, for weeks at a time, um, live with some of these folks to really, she wanted to become like a piece of furniture. She wanted them to be comfortable enough to share their stories so she could really get the nuanced take on why so many folks were living this way. Mm-hmm. And there was some interesting, you know, she said that um, a lot of single older women, she assumed that it'd be, you know, a lot of men, but there's a lot of single older women who are living this way. And so that's an interesting trend. Um, and so just trying to look at the different reasons and, and then, you know, how these folks are making do. Mm-hmm. Did she describe that that place in Arizona had to close down uh, because of somebody coming in to take over the land or... I, I just caught a couple of sure. audio uh, sessions. I think because it's federal um, land, you can stay up to two weeks without a permit. I'm looking at Seth. There's there's a yeah, time limitation, right. yeah. and so there's a certain amount of time they can be there, and then they have to move on. Oh, that um, was yeah. It. Okay. yeah. So that's I think it's, I think it's maybe BLM land. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and a lot of people feel like they can kind of get off the grid by going in, into BLM land, mm-hmm. but in, in reality, it is still under you know federal jurisdiction, mm-hmm. so there's, mm-hmm. yeah. So I get a feeling that this book really personally grabbed each of you. It did. Yeah, can you give yeah, a little? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to that for sure. Um, so I, I first started reading it in June, 
And it, it kind of came on the, the heels of me reading a lot about green economics. So I started a couple of years ago with, with, with on this, this quest in reading uh, Schumacher's Small is Beautiful, which, you know, it, it's kind of an obscure book these days. But when it was released, it was thought of as kind of this eco Bible um, and mm-hmm. really spoke to me about local economies, localism, and how both, you know, command economies as well as this unfettered laissez-faire capitalism are both uh, failures in a lot of in a lot of ways just because it doesn't speak to the the human condition mm-hmm. and to the to the the human being. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that really spoke to me about this book is that she really raise these people up as as human beings Mm -hmm. and if you if you speak to the author jessica is just this warm um, delightful person who is just the perfect person for immersive journalism in my book um, Mm -hmm. just because i think she can really uh uh, people feel attached to her i would guess um automatically and will tell her their story So really what I, I, I felt after reading this book was that um, we have a dire situation in this country in terms of our, our economic situation for a lot of people. And what are some of the solutions to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do we, how do we move forward? And I think there are a lot of really good uh, ideas out there. Mm-hmm. Um, most spe- uh, specifically, I was thinking about intentional communities. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think these these people driving around in 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 vans, working these itinerant jobs, in some ways they have formed their own intentional communities, mm-hmm. whether they wanted to or or you know this is through um, most of them through unfortunate circumstances. But I, I thought about intentional communities as being this place where where localism really is a force, mm-hmm. and we immediately thought of a place like Dancing Rabbit Eco Village up in Northeast Missouri as a good example of that. How did you first hear about Dancing Rabbit? Yeah, yeah. so I actually grew up in Northeast Missouri, in Kirksville, Missouri. So I... I, um, North Central. Yeah, exactly. So so I was um, aware of the fact that there were a number of intentional communities up there. And so it's always been on my my radar. Dancing Rabbit actually was started. It looks like they purchased land in in 1997 to to start the Dancing Rabbit Land Trust. And then uh, basically started constructing buildings from that point. Developing a like a a non-for-profit. Yeah. Bought land, land trust, like Columbia now has a land trust. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. there can be some control over housing, but it can be affordable and. I, I think that's really so what they've they've they focused on mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit there, mm-hmm. and and I especially like their and that's what um, Nathan Mackenzie Brown is is the representative who's coming from from that community mm-hmm. tonight, and he will be talking about how they've intentionally um, done their community planning in a very thoughtful. Mm-hmm eco-friendly way so um, this gentleman's coming tonight to the library he is for yeah. a, a free 
yeah, program yeah. So in, I'll, in the fringe room, is it? Yeah. So okay. so uh, basically, all my 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 thinking about uh, about this book and about some of the the what what the future looks like for for our economy and 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 for for our world. Uh, put, we put together this panel, so it's going to be Mark Heim, who's the director of Mid Missouri PeaceWorks, mm-hmm. will will be there, and he'll be the moderator. He's very kindly agreed to do this, um, and I think he'll be fantastic as mm-hmm. as a moderator. Mm-hmm. Then we're also we've got Nathan Mackenzie Brown from the Dancing Rabbit Eco Village will be there, and then also Adam Saunders is will be coming, and he is involved in. He's involved in, in our urban agriculture uh, movement here in Columbia, mm-hmm. and just I think he will really have some some good things to say about um, how people can start grow. They you know he, he's very hooked into the idea that people can grow their own food and how that can actually support a household economy mm-hmm. in, in, in very, um, very important ways mm-hmm. as well. So I think he'll have some, some great contributions mm-hmm. to well, it. Our, our listeners certainly know Mark. He used to have the exactly. Evening Edition yeah. show for 20 years. And uh, actually, I, I met Mark in 71. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Before he moved to town and started uh, the Columbia Community Grocery right right down the hall here yeah uh, before it moved out and over to the hit street and then KOPN moved into this space so we have a long history ourselves and so glad he's uh, yeah he, he's he's so knowledgeable mm-hmm. and um, and I think he's he's also going to talk a little himself a little, little about the future of work and how that you know what what that looks like for for the humanity as as we move forward and I think um, a great example of of what a, a positive future could look like is the Mondragon uh, co-op uh, in in Spain in Basque country of Spain this is a workers co-op that is based on somewhat obscure economic philosophy called distributism but it basically uh, all the workers within this co-op have basically equal share in in running the company mm-hmm. so it's very it's it's very focused on the human being mm-hmm. and not on the corporation and it in some ways it's it's a model of how the future could look like i think mm-hmm. for, for for work mm-hmm. and um it's a fascinating uh community of 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 and the, the basque country is an interesting place as well right um, and then in that it's it's actually um, wanted its independence from from Spain for quite some time mm-hmm. too. So it's it's got some unique. Um, there's some some unique things going. Well, we on have there. quite a few Basque folk in the U.S. Uh, yeah, the absolutely. Shepherds out west. Mm-hmm. And uh, matter of fact, I was in uh, in the Navy in, in San Francisco, and there was a fabulous Basque restaurant. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, good yeah. Family meals and. Uh, Great. <laughs> that was my introduction to that part of the world. Yeah, so. I think it's a it's a splendid uh, place, and I've also heard the the, the cycling there is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into your cycling a little bit later. So. Uh, but, but Lauren, you you also have been grabbed by this book as you were the last one read. Yes, I think so. Yes. It, well, for me, you know, I'm in my mid-40s, and so the, reading this 
makes me um, think a lot about my future, my family's future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you, a lot of us grew up with that whole idea that what you're supposed to do is get a job and buy a house um, and have the fence. And if you work hard, that then you'll be able to retire and, you know, you'll have Social Security. And I Mm -hmm. don't think that anymore. Um, And, you know, before I read this book, I kind of had that feeling. And after reading this book, it just it solidified that for me. Right. Um, and I, you know, I see a lot of, um, you know, younger people, um, there's this whole gig economy. Um, that's what it gets called, you know, people, um, so the older people are mostly profiled in this book and that they're putting together these kind of temporary jobs. But I see the same thing happening in a lot of other fields and young people who are designers or web developers mm-hmm. or um, something like writers. And instead of getting a job that has benefits where they can kind of build, you know, that, wealth or you know, and save things up to maybe get a house that they're taking they're having to take lots of little jobs on contract mm-hmm. and that doesn't come with benefits or security mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like work is changing um, and so I think these alternatives are really refreshing um, and nice to hang some hope on but right now it, it can feel kind of dire and I have kids and I'm thinking about what's their future going to be like mm-hmm. you know what what sort of education um, should we make be making sure that they get um, right for the future. So, you know, we, we live in a fairly modest house. We're going to stay in the house. We don't have plans to scale up because why we don't need it. We don't need the space. We don't, you know, we're going to work hard to pay this mortgage off and, um, you know, we're saving for retirement and because I don't think we can depend on social security. I feel very fortunate to have a job with benefits, um, because it feels like it's becoming less and less the norm. Um, so that, you know, I, I, there is some hope in this book. There are these people are really creative and resilient, but it really points out that that kind of promise of working hard and you can get into the middle class and have the white picket fence is a it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, lays that pretty bare. Mm-hmm. And she lays that on America in the sense. Can you open that up a little? Why is surviving America? It, 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 it's is there a story of America, the American dream? Is it the, what is it that we're surviving or, or being saved yeah. from? Um, well, I think, I think, I mean, I think it's complicated. It takes more than a, a full book, to, I think, to look at some of those reasons. But I think, you know, the social safety net hasn't really been around that long when you think about it in historical terms. Mm-hmm. But I, I you know, I think part of it is just the way capitalism is structured Mm -hmm. and there's kind of this winner take all mentality and the, you know, gap between what a frontline worker makes versus what a CEO makes. That gap Mm -hmm. has just gotten astronomically huge. Mm -hmm. You know, we're beholden to shareholders and um, it just seems like the, I mean, greed has always been there, but it just feels somehow feels different. well, who, who owns land? And then we start to get into the racial issue of, sure. well, uh, uh, historically, uh, blacks didn't get to own land. And then... Yeah, building like, that generational wealth wasn't Right. There. So yeah. there's... Uh, and I, I was curious, did she run into uh, racial issues or was there diversity in these populations she does she acknowledges this acknowledges this in the book she doesn't really take it on but she calls it the unbearable whiteness of vanning or something Mm -hmm. like that Uh that really she said there were very few people of color Uh and there are all kinds of privilege Uh so even if you are someone who has lost your house and you have made the choice to live in your vehicle because that's really the only choice you had 
it is one thing to be a white person asleep in a van in a parking lot and to get woken up by a police officer. If you are a person of color, my, that would be a very different circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so she's, you know, she doesn't really say, well, here's the reasons I, why I don't see black people doing that. There, there were a few, but very mm-hmm. few. That There were probably many reasons, but that's the, the one that comes to mind that is just not safe, not as safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and all of these folks do um, risk a certain amount of being unsafe because they're, you've got all their belongings in a vehicle. Right. Um, you know, they, the, they get roused by the police if they're sleeping in lots and things like that. We've seen in the news, especially out in California, that they're trying to figure out how to deal with their people experiencing homelessness and sleeping mm-hmm. in vehicles and where they can and can't be. Um, so it's not very humane. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does, a, she does acknowledge that this is mostly a way that white people can live, but mm-hmm. she doesn't examine it very much except for a couple of pages. Mm-hmm. And she also, you know, that there's also, we have immigration issues and we have migrant workers um, and she just this is the slice of the community she's looking at um, this particular population and you know just it wasn't this book wasn't addressing that she kind of had to choose her narrow subject and and in this population first of all we heard the term camper force yes Uh, that was new to me Uh, so we've got uh, capitalism capitalizing on <laughs> yeah the very thing that uh, well I and I was going to talk a little bit about um, about Amazon mm-hmm. um, as kind of a great example of 21st century American capitalism uh, Jeff Bezos has taken upon himself to sell everything and become um, a tremendously wealthy human being mm-hmm. whereas you know, his workers generally don't have a share in any of that. And the camper force, I think, is a great example of sort of that using people as disposable workers. I mean, there's a great she, she talked about a great example at the talk last night of how there was a warehouse, there's an Amazon warehouse. And I think this was in a Mother Jones article um, exposing how working in these warehouses is just really dehumanizing. And a, a journalist went into this, this warehouse, worked there, it was incredibly hard work, and it was very hot. Uh, there weren't any, uh, there wasn't any air conditioning. And basically, um, Jessica to last night talked about how Amazon did not make this more comfortable for the workers. They didn't, you know, put they put in air conditioning. They don't, didn't open the bay door. They basically just put paramedics on call so they could come and shovel up the the latest um, heat casualty at, at the warehouse. And that, to me, that kind of exemplifies Amazon. Um, I, I think there's it's been t- tremendously damaging to local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and and especially if you're thinking about how um, a lot of a lot of local businesses have both tried to do uh, their in-store um, brick and mortar selling as well as some online presence, but Amazon just crushes them. Mm-hmm. You know, this book really brought home how detrimental to the the human economy and and, and the, these people really didn't have any other choice but to, to work in these warehouses in in this book and it's it's it seems like we're moving in the completely opposite direction you know amazon is still it's becoming even more of a force um they've expanded into 
purchasing all you know i think they own whole foods now um it's you know it's just a huge monopoly and where are where are our antitrust laws right. you know that that's that's a question i asked too and so these people though that are as a maybe last resort go to a camper force mm -hmm. and then they get worn out or hurt yeah they get repetitive stress injuries from scanning or, or they well like they have um free pain killers dispensers oh, apparently yeah. that the staff can or that the workers can just take because and they know they're going to need it because they're walking on concrete floors for 10 to 12 to 14 hours a day um, and they you know come with their own uh, campers or vehicles so that Amazon gives them a place to park basically mm -hmm. um, and then yeah that's that's it but but then when they're hurt and can't work anymore did she have a follow-up what what happens to these folks there's a whole section of the book, I think it's called Endgame, where she did ask them, you know, people what their long-term plans are. And they said some very grim things, like sort of they used gallows humor and said, well, my retirement plan is to be bleached bones in the desert, or yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Thelma and Louise it off, you know, the side of a cliff. But they or said, you know, we're all, yeah, right. yeah, but we're all, we're all on the same trajectory. Right. We're all on the same conveyor belt. We're all going to die eventually. Mm -hmm. And so they're just like, we'll just choose when we go. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the attitude that she came up against. Um, Another thing about Amazon is that because a lot of these older folks, they are getting some sort of federal assistance, um, you know, subsidized health care, Medicare, Medicaid, then, tax, then Amazon gets a tax break for hiring them. Mm -hmm. So they don't pay taxes on these workers that they then sort of just chew up and spit out. Tax break. Amazon is all about tax breaks. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and zero taxes for exactly billions of profits yes yeah you know the undermining sales tax in almost every community in in the u.s mm -hmm. you know because um people aren't buying in brick and mortar stores mm -hmm. these days as much and you know local communities aren't getting the sale the sales tax and that's columbia's is suffering that as well mm -hmm. um and our city services have suffered because of that too mm -hmm. and and what is it about us as consumers that we just have to push that button? What? How are we so manipulate, able to be manipulated by this? Part of it is just speaking for myself is convenience. I mean, to be to mm -hmm. it's sort of magical to get to push a button and to have something come to your house mm -hmm. for you know relatively inexpensive cost mm -hmm. um and you get seduced by that and then we live in a very much a right now society we mm -hmm. want it now you know i can push this button and i get it now mm -hmm. um it, um, while i'm sitting on my couch rather than having to to go out um into the world and it's it's pervasive it really is pervasive mm -hmm. but you know we have such wonderful local um businesses here mm -hmm. that it's we need to get off our couches and, and go out into the world i think yeah bike on down to yes well that i was actually going to talk about i'm a i'm an avid cyclist and um i really used to buy a lot of my my gear online mm -hmm. you know i used to um not not from amazon but from from a lot of online um cycling supply shops mm -hmm. and 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 then I realized uh, this book actually helped uh, solidify in my mind how uh, how I really, really need to concentrate more on buying local mm -hmm. and kind of enjoying that experience of going into a, a 
a shop or a store and meeting other people and mingling with with people talking to um the, you know the the managers and the other 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 workers in 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 the, in the shop and just remembering that experience as a as a kid you know growing up in, in kirksville missouri how that was just that was what we did you know on weekends we we go we go to the local bike shop or the bookstore or and i just or or a record store and just hang out for hours mm -hmm. talking to the proprietor and learning more about music or about about bikes and we're you know it feels like we're we're missing that whole experience is is is, is gone mm -hmm. uh, by by just clicking those links and clicking clicking your paypal account mm -hmm. And then, you know, it magically appears on the door, whereas the doorstep, whereas, you know, there are all these hidden human costs mm -hmm. that uh, from from these these Amazon warehouses mm -hmm. to people, um, you know, losing their jobs because their their brick and mortar store has been undermined by a place like like Amazon or just the fact that we don't talk to each other as much anymore you know we don't go to these these shops and we we don't go to these um stores and 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 seek each other out for mm -hmm. for human conversation and i i just think that's that was what was that was incredibly formative for me as a young man um just you know i probably some of i was probably seen as maybe a little bit of a nuisance <laughs> i would spend so much time in in bike shops and just learning about bike you know working mm -hmm. on bikes and but but i i think for me it was it was it was it was great mm -hmm. you know, it I, was, I liked your comment about the invisible human cost um w one of our book discussions a woman said um she made the comment that she just felt so naive after reading this book she said she imagined when she ordered from amazon that a robot went and retrieved her item from the shelf and put it in a box and she didn't think about people being involved in the process at all mm -hmm. and so it was a real eye-opener for her and i'm sure that other people had similar experiences that they just aren't thinking at all about the people um behind the, the button mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sort of like the matrix uh, they're yeah. really kind of robotic people because they're almost forced into a situation yeah. then what do they do uh i'm talking uh folks i'm talking to <laughs> lauren williams uh, and seth smith both uh from our local uh, daniel boone regional library uh about the one read book this year which is nomad land and a program coming up tonight at uh, the library uh, we're going to take a short break uh have a public service announcement or so and we'll be right back with more Glocal News in Social Artistry. back to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. My guests today are Lauren Williams and Seth Smith from our beloved Daniel Boone Regional Library, just at the conclusion of our One Read program, which was Nomad Land, and we're processing <laughs> <laughs> the effects of uh, and the power of, of, of books and, and what they do to 
inform us. Uh, you just mentioned, Lauren, how a woman said how naive she mm -hmm. she felt learning that uh, it, it wasn't just robots, it was people that were being used. Right. Yeah. Uh, other stories that you want to sure. process here? Sure. We, we just had the author talk last night, as you mentioned, and um, one of the things that Jessica Bruder said was that she, she hadn't been involved in a one read or one community, one book program like this before and was thrilled, just thrilled at the number of events and the way the book had been kind of um, pulled apart and uh, really looked at in depth by our community members. But she said she liked the idea of the program because it treats a book almost like a campfire that invites people mm -hmm. to sit and gather around and talk. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we don't have a lot of opportunity. I mean, Seth was talking about, you know, not going out to, into the community, to stores and, and learning from other people and having that human connection. And I think programs like this really provide a space for that mm -hmm. um, and using a book as, as the vehicle for those connections. And she said a couple things about her view of journalism that I thought was really interesting um, because you don't often hear about journalism in this way, at least in this day and age. I think we, we hear a lot about misinformation and fake news and, and media being seen as, you know, maybe something that's, that's not so great. But she talked about... Um, journalism, how it can be a vector for empathy, she said. And she said it, she really, she sees it as a force for connection. And that's what people are seeking is, is connection with one another. And she just loves people's stories. She mm -hmm. specializes in uh, journalism around subcultures. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of her fascination. And I think I love that idea that everyone has a story. And so it's just a really human, a human perspective on writing and journalism that I enjoyed. And I think it makes sense in the wider context of what we're trying to do with One Read. Um, we want people to read, first of all, um, and um, but we want them to connect with one another and use the, the book as that vehicle. And we've seen that happen at the events over the course of the month, which is one of the things I love about this program. Mm -hmm. I was just uh, watching PBS last night and the young black author or middle-aged black author now, <laughs> uh, Tahasi, Tahasi Coates, yeah, yes, mm -hmm. and, and his new book, Water Dancer, and and he emphasized story and how it's the stories that we tell to each other or pass along to our children. Um, as will always happen, they may not be totally true, <laughs> but they carry messages, and and it's the messages that we remember the values the uh, mm -hmm. um, the empathy the the various things about uh, those that have gone before us and so it's it's wonderful that one read seems to have a knack for finding books that do this with stories. Yeah, and what's what is sort of magical about it is that while the library has some control over the process, the the books are nominated every year mm. from the public. So we, we're getting ready in November to ask the public again. Okay, what's the one book we should all read together uh, in 2020? Okay. And we have a reading panel that you know takes those 150 plus nominations each year and narrows them down, mm -hmm. um, and then presents two titles to the community to vote on again. Mm -hmm. So it it really is a community driven process. Process. And so sort of, you know, this is our 18th year and each year a book that has allowed us to mm -hmm. talk about, um, you know, something pretty important mm -hmm. 
um, or just to connect on themes and topics that are interesting, uh, it's just it's, it works its magic each time. It seems like, and each year I think, oh my gosh, are we going to get a, a dud this year, or you know, are we going to? Uh, is it going to be a repeat of of things we've talked about before? And um, it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, this nickel and dimed, which we did years ago, which is you know looking at trying to survive on minimum wage jobs. This sort of the precursor to this, or this is like an updated mm-hmm. look at some of similar issues, but it's but the subculture is so different and um, unique. I think that it was it did allow us to talk about a lot of different topics and new things, mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like a repeat in any way. So it just it's it's kind of magical mm-hmm. um, the way it works. Well, and and as you mentioned, sitting around the fire, not only do we tell our own stories, but we we start to connect things that we're hearing today for mm-hmm. instance as you were talking about uh, the alternative work uh, contract working mm-hmm. and now California has just decided that you can't be a contract worker you have to be an employee to drive a lift car or, or the other options mm-hmm. that are out there which it, there's this uh, back and forth dance that's going on to is it protecting the worker? Is it not protecting the worker? Right. Um, so we're in a dynamic world. A we dynamic are. Society, and uh, to, the more we can attempt to stay informed or be informed, because there's, there's lots of alternative messages to. Yeah, I, I think that's, and that's one of the really strong points about this one we read program. It, it the, the program kind of develops organically and people have these ideas and they we, we, we kind of toss these ideas out and and figure out what you know what program might fit best with them but a lot of it's just from community input and then one of the things I like to think about about one read is that this is this is exactly what literature should be doing yes you know forcing not people to think outside the box outside the parameters of a book um, and bringing in all these other topics that might be tangential they might be uh, somewhat related but they're all part of this um this this campfire that 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 jessica was talking about Mm -hmm. that that I, i think is just and one of the things she mentioned last night is just how tribal we are as human beings, you know, and I think I think that's just so true. And getting back to the point about going into a, a local store and, and buying something and just talking to the proprietors and meeting other people. I mean, that's what human I think that's what human beings really crave. I, I really feel like we're, we're social creatures. That's how we've always been. And I'm really hoping that into the future, uh, we, we start getting back to that. Um, and unfortunately, I, I think that's not happening right now. Um, things seem really bifurcated and disjointed in this country. But this one read program really brought to mind how people can really come together. I mean, just the audience last night, it was packed. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, um, people were just seemed just so excited to see the author and and every program i've been to surrounding this particular book has been really well attended um people seem just super interested in the in the topics so it's very timely i think it's it's been oh, yeah. very very timely yeah. well and possibly some of their relatives uh, are touched or could be easily touched uh, by this 
necessity that some yes. people feel. Yes. Yeah. And this is the first year I've been involved in one read. Oh, okay. And it's just been, uh, it's been fantastic. It's just, uh, there's so many really positive things about it uh, that, that I think just brings the whole community together. Well, I, I noticed on uh, the library website that you had another uh, role of trying to bring the community together with uh, some little bicycle bookmobile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seth's yeah. kind of involved in that, aren't you, Seth? <laughs> well, so, yeah. I, I saw it at the library, actually. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. It, it's right there in the lobby. Well, that you know, that's a great example of what the library is trying to do in terms of just really being, it couldn't, that couldn't be more personable and local. You know, you're just, you're going out on a, on a bicycle with this, this book cart behind you um, and pedaling not too far away from the library to local events and then uh, bringing the library to, to people, mm -hmm. uh, to the, the community members. Mm -hmm. That's that's a project that Lauren and I actually worked on. We, we had we, we had the idea a couple of years ago. Um, a lot of other libraries were, were doing it mm -hmm. and we thought, you know, this would be perfect for this town just mm -hmm. because all this great infrastructure has been put in place uh, partly due to, to PedNet's influence. Right. They've been a really um, huge advocates for making Columbia a more pedestrian and cycling friendly place. So we started the, the process and we got a lot of help from, from local stores. Right, uh, Walt's, Walt's Bike uh -huh. Shop was right. a huge, uh, helped greatly with the design of the, the book bike cart. And then um, Alpine Builders actually built the cabinets for for the for the trailer itself, so it it, it, tended, it was very local, and it's been a huge success. It has, I, and, and the rest of the funds came from donations that came in through RD Barrel yeah. Foundation. So people out in the community donated as well. So um, to get this pilot project going. And so what kind of books do you, who pick them? It, de mean, it depends. So if we're going to an event like the farmer's market, we'll take books from the collection that check out. So, um, and we'll have a little iPad and, and scanner there that we can check books out to people. And we take books on canning and what to do with local produce oh, and how to grow vegetables and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, if we go to an event, um, say, um, you know, uh, we have been to Turning Point. Um, we'll have books that are in our Express collection, so donated books or gently used books. Um, mm -hmm. We've had multiple copies of bestsellers, maybe that we no longer um, have room for on the shelves. Um, we will g give those away. Oh wow! To folks. Mm -hmm. So what it just is depends. Turning Point. I don't. Oh, know. sorry. It's um, it is a um, it is a ministry of the Wilkes Boulevard United Methodist Church. Oh, we're, it, we're, yeah. It's a day Reverend shelter. Dawson has a Friday night uh, gig. Yeah, and so they He's they been do on our show yeah a couple of times. loaves and fishes. They do a meal a yeah. day there and so um, you know a lot of those folks use bicycles a lot of those folks um, may or may not come to the library so we you know just want to get out to where the people are so we're mm -hmm. it, this has been our first kind of full year of the pilot project so we're still kind of working it out mm -hmm. um, so we've been in you know the March March parade and um, but we've done a lot of things at the at the farmers markets mm -hmm. um, both on Saturday and Sunday mm -hmm. To kind of I get guess the word even out. Earth Day might uh, yes, be attractive yep. next year. Absolutely, we we uh, we we tried to make it to Earth Day this year. Um, we we had a, a small mechanical glitch. <laughs> uh, I, I, this, say, I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, uh, this this year has has been a really great year for us with with the book bike. Uh, we have gotten rained out a lot too. Yes. Which, mm. which uh, but you know I, I think one of the things that we've we've tried to do 
is figure out locations where um, maybe there's an awning uh, and there's uh, a great example of what's going to turning point it was very cold that day but we were able to uh, set up and then go in and out of the building um, to get warm coffee and things like that so they're always they're you know even though it is we this this book bite program is is out you know we're we're outdoors and we're in a usually an outdoor location when when we set up we can push through most of the elements there's just it's a hard you know a, a thunderstorm just it unfortunately won't yeah. won't work yeah right well i i, I commend you for uh, <laughs> your pedaling well, and is there a little electric uh, battery with that or you're not having to Man. Yeah, so the book bike itself is actually an e-assist bike that uh, Walt's helped set set us up with. Um, so it's it's not the car can weigh as much as a hundred pounds loaded down with yeah. books. So that has helped. I think really helped us with um, the the actual project being pretty rider friendly. Mm -hmm. And um, Lawrence Simonson with Pednet was was one of the people who who consulted with us early on. And he said, you guys really should get an ESS yes. bike. Yeah. Just it, this is going to make this turn this possibly a miserable experience for people <laughs> into something that's really enjoyable. And it's nice. You, you, know, you can you can basically pull this this 100 pound trailer and put it on the the uh, the high mode which is the gives it the most e-assist push mm -hmm. and just it doesn't feel like you're pedaling at all it's no, it's pretty great. cool so yeah. not everyone has to look like a navy seal like uh, someone in the room looks like. <laughs> 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 uh, you're in good shape yeah no, we're complimenting it's, it's just genetics <laughs> well you still have to work at it but you're speaking of bikes and local uh uh, my daughter uh, helped fund a uh, a bike for me for my birthday back uh, yeah. almost 20 years ago. Uh, it was a one-speed, and I live in Jeff City, mm -hmm. and we it's just all hills. And so I tried to make it work, and and uh, it didn't uh, work out very well. So I I heard that there was a place called Cronk, Cronk's bike here in Columbia. Oh, Clunk? Would t Clunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would take a used bike, and I was in the market for then a used upgrade well i found out that they take the used bike and they have a, a network throughout the world that they ship that bike to uh, another country that needs yeah. a free bike wow yeah, for people fantastic. to get around and i thought wow you know the networks that we don't know about that right. can help uh reuse recycle all these kind of things but in in real world ways right. that uh, that help other folks as well so uh, i don't is clunk still around yeah oh, yeah we'll they moved to the clunk. south part of town but they're a, another great local business mm -hmm. um emphasizing uh used bikes and also you can buy new bikes there as well but uh you know that's a great example of a of a business that's done a lot of real a lot of good for our, our community mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. uh, so we had a question here uh what time is the one read event tonight at the library so it is going to be tonight from 7 until 8 30 p.m in the friends room and if you want to get there a little bit before seven, there'll be plenty of seating. And um, 
we certainly hope mm -hmm. community members will come. Do you do refreshments for something like this? Not not for not, not for this. Oh. All right, so come and uh, there's Mark Heim again to remind folks. Mark and uh, the yeah. So so the panel dancing rabbit or something. Like yeah, the the panel is going to be uh, moderated by by Mark. Um, we're so happy that he's he's able to come and 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 give his expertise because he has these decades of mm -hmm. experience thinking about these topics mm -hmm. and and working directly with them. Um, we also have Nathan Mackenzie Brown from the Dancing Rabbit Eco Village, mm -hmm. and he will be talking a little bit about that intentional community, um, how that community is actually uh, was established, and a lot about the, their their community planning efforts as well and then adam saunders will will be here as well uh talking a little bit about urban agriculture and how we can bring a more sustainable future with um with with those urban agriculture practices as well mm -hmm. well back in the early 70s uh there was another uh, alternative living guru guy that came to town named Stephen Gaskin. Are you familiar with no, huh? Stephen Gaskin and the farm in Tennessee? Is I as Ina sounds... Gaskin is is that is were they a couple or related? Did Ina Gaskin? She, I don't I'm thinking know about, about Ina. Um, uh, natural childbirth. I think is how I yeah, know her name. Yeah, and they had uh, that think, as well mm, okay. in terms of midwifery. Uh, uh, that was a big area of uh, education mm -hmm. and, and practice. And so these alternative uh, living opportunities have been around. Um, I was on a commune in Oregon mm -hmm. for a, often on a year or two, met my wife, first wife there. So yeah, <laughs> things happen and, yeah. and we, we look for alternatives because sometimes the, to plug into the regular system uh, there's lots of compromises mm -hmm. that you get for a, a sense of security. And yet we're finding from one reads that the, the security is sometimes not as deep pockets as, uh, as we sometimes think. Yeah, it's sometimes an illusion and it just mm -hmm. takes a, you know, one uh, medical disaster or job loss or something like that to show you just how much of an illusion that is. Well, and I also think, yeah, thinking about self-sufficiency, and that's why I'm really happy Adam Saunders will be coming from the CCUA, is that we can, I think, and that's, that's one of the things I took from this book as well, is looking toward the future, we also have to think about our consumer lifestyle mm -hmm. and, and, and our total reliance on these systems and, and organizations that might fail us. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what got me to, to thinking a little bit about um, how growing your own food and uh, a great example I would like to use is, is my sister Lindsay, who um, basically uh, you, she has a huge garden in the north part of Columbia and she is I would I would imagine that thousands she sa saves thousands and thousands of dollars a year um, just mm -hmm. by growing her own produce, mm -hmm. um, and you know I think that's that's an idea that not a lot of people think about. You know they have all this they have all these open space in their yards. Um, I know it's it's very it's not an easy thing to do. We've tried to do it 
ourselves, uh, my wife and I this year, and we've had a few <laughs> successes and failures with growing a, a garden, but um, things like that, thinking future might not, not necessarily be filled with expectations of having this really solid retirement. And, and, and so I, 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 I like to think that, like Lauren said early on in the, in the program, uh, taking control a little bit and taking the reins uh, as mm-hmm. uh, um, of your in your own human agency mm-hmm. uh, I, I think is makes a difference as mm-hmm. well too it's hard though mm-hmm. you know it it's it's not it's we're all embedded and deeply embedded in this consumer mm-hmm. culture yes we are and we have about uh, two minutes left uh, Lauren do you have some closing? thoughts that you'd like to share well i'm gonna i'm gonna plug one more program in case because in case people did not have an opportunity to discuss the book or come to a book discussion we do have one more um so it that's tomorrow night thursday and it is at the library also um, at 7 p.m. It's Nomad Land Goes to College. Each year we send the one we book to college, and we have a professor from each of the campuses here in Columbia come and talk about the book really briefly from their field of expertise and then lead a book discussion. So oh, we wonderful. have um, Dr. Marks from uh, Stevens, and he's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And then we have Elizabeth uh, Stevens, who is from... Um, MU, the School of Journalism. So to kind of talk about the book from that aspect, um, being a piece of immersive journalism. And then Dr. Diane Suler, who is a professor of finance and economics at Columbia College. So that's a, always a fun book discussion because you get those very view, viewpoints and yeah. a very wide ranging discussion. Um, so yeah, people should come on out to that. Uh, yeah. We still have books available for checkout if people want to, to read it um, and join in the conversation. It's not too late. And I'll put another plug for you all uh, that affects me, hopefully. It has two years in the past. You have a local author. We do. uh, Saturday coming up, I think, in November. It's in November, and I think the form is live now for people to... Right, to um, sign up if they want to be considered. And then uh, uh, sometime early in October, the list of who passes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty first come first serve. We're pretty egalitarian at the library. Um, uh, so the, yeah, it's a, it's always a great event. Um, it's like from 10 in the morning until one on a, on a Saturday right. and people can walk through and see the authors at their tables and see what local folks are writing, mm-hmm. you know, buy some books for Christmas gifts. We always have, um, you know, fiction, nonfiction books for kids and adults. So it's a fun, it's a very fun event because we're such a writer rich community. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful to, to, um, support the local authors in this way. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, we appreciate our local library and our librarians. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate community radio. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This has been great. <laughs> okay. Well, next week, folks, uh, my guest is going to be uh, Dr. Adrian Hendricks from Jefferson City, uh, pastor at uh, the Joshua House uh, Church and author of a new book called uh, Hater Proof, trademarked. So uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. He was a student of mine back at Lincoln years ago. Excellent. And uh, we're both really looking forward to this. And finally, folks, uh, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner and more peaceful and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, It is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon.